are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Our scripture reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Our second reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, thanks, Donna, for reading scripture for us this morning. A blessed Advent to you and Chris, thinking of you guys this morning. I'm actually having to record this sermon earlier than I typically would. As I stand here and record this, it's actually Thursday morning, and I'm recording early because of all crazy things. I have to have my gallbladder removed actually later today. It's a crazy deal. I didn't even know what a gallbladder is until mine wasn't working anymore. So out it goes, and then I'm going to be recovering at home for the next few days. And I just have to tell you, it is very interesting to be preaching on fear the morning that you're going into surgery. Our Advent theme the second Sunday in Advent is do not be afraid. Now, a gallbladder surgery is, from what I hear, one of the most common surgeries that's out there and really should not be a fearful thing. But still, the only thing that I've ever had out before my wisdom teeth. So this is kind of new territory for me. And I just felt like maybe the Lord's timing was on this message as he once again works behind the scenes. So each of these four Sundays in Advent, we're looking at the Christmas story in scripture and we're connecting it to one of the dominant themes of what you and I have been experiencing in this unforgettable year of 2020. So last week we studied waiting in the Bible. Next week, it'll be division. The fourth Sunday in Advent, our theme will be mercy. And today, we're looking at do not be afraid. I am guessing that most of us have had some reason 
for fear in 2020, or perhaps it's twin cousins of worry and anxiety. Am I going to get COVID? How many of us have asked ourselves that? What'll happen if I do? Will it be a mild course? Or would I end up in the hospital or on a ventilator? Or would I make it? I know how we interact with those questions, maybe related to our risk category or medical conditions that we have. And some of us have really had to wrestle with that fear this year or fear for a loved one. You know, when all this first started back in the spring, I remember watching the news when the first confirmed case in Minnesota was announced. The first time around, you know, probably a lot of us didn't really know anyone who was dealing with COVID-19. And now it's just hitting so much closer to home. How about this fear, though, just to mention another from this year? Am I going to lose my job? Or am I going to be furloughed? Or will my business make it? What's going to happen to my industry? And just personally, will I be able to pay my bills? Another fear many of us have wrestled with is what's going to happen with school and our kids? I felt like it's a constantly changing scenario as we have to respond to an ever-changing situation with the pandemic. So as soon as you get accustomed to one change, then it's as if the next one is already upon us. Our teachers and administrators have experienced enormous stress levels this year. And of course, parents and kids who are impacted every day. Our kids are learning a lot about fear at a young age these days. And here we are now in the last month of the year, and we're in this weird in-between season now where the vaccines are coming and their effectiveness has even exceeded expectations and hopes, but it's going to take a while. And first, we're going to have to get through this winter before we really see things start to change. It's a tough season. And in addition to that, let me just add this final example. I have found that this year has been marked by the most significant number of sicknesses, serious illnesses in the 10-year history of the Y Church. Scott, Peggy, Ryan, Shirley, Alan, just to name a few of the names that we have been praying for. And then, of course, our sister in Christ, our friend Nikki, who went home to be with the Lord this summer. It has been a hard year, and there has been a lot of reason for fear. And that's why I think I felt so pressed to look into this phrase, this Advent, do not be afraid. And let me remind you something I have said before This is the most oft-repeated command in all of Scripture. And if you've heard that before, heard me share that in a message, please don't get too accustomed to that idea that we would take it for granted. I mean, of all the things that Scripture says, it should absolutely knock our socks off that the number one command in the whole of the Bible is God saying to us, do not be afraid, fear not. And you know, one of the many places that we see this, it's actually in the Christmas story. Did you see it in our reading this morning from Luke chapter one, Luke one, verse 30, the angel appears to Mary and says, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. But you know what? That's actually not even the first time this command appears in the Christmas story. If you back up with me to what we looked at last week, earlier in the chapter, the angel appears to Zechariah 
in Luke 1.13 and says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now that should really grab our attention, especially after what we studied last week. Do you remember what we said about the length of time that God's people had been waiting to hear from him? 400 years. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years of silence where there was no word from the Lord, no prophetic word, no scripture being written. And 400 years of silence are finally broken when God sends his angel and the angel announces the first word is, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. I just was amazed by that this week in my study. God means business about this command. We're not even done with the Christmas story yet either. There is yet another instance of this phrase. Do not be afraid. You know where it appears? So we talked about Mary, then we backed up to Zechariah. But it is also spoken to these certain fellows who are out keeping watch or their flocks by night. That's right, the shepherds. And maybe you remember what the old King James says. They're out on their fields at that point, and it says they were sore afraid. And in Luke 2.10, the angel says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Three times, just in the Christmas story, this word is spoken to us. And it made me want to pay attention, especially this year. What I'd like to do this morning is to trace this command through some key places in Scripture. Now, we're going to have to be selective, in fact, very selective as we do this. When I first laid out the passages that we might want to look at, I had a list of 28 possibilities plus the two Scripture readings that we had. So then I had to go back and comb over the list again, and I narrowed it down to 12. But 12 was still too many. I mean, I've, I've never heard a 12-point sermon before, and I'm pretty sure you don't want to either. So I figured I better take another look. And then the third time through, I landed on seven key passages that say, do not be afraid. And seven, as long as we move quickly, is a doable list. So we're not going to land on any of them terribly long, but I want to show you the breadth and depth of Scripture this morning on this most common command. And here's why I picked these seven. I restricted myself to only passages that use the exact phrase, do not be afraid. And what I became interested in is the question of why. You know, it's one thing to say, do not be afraid. Anybody can spout false assurances. But what is the reason that we are to not be afraid? And you'll notice as we look at these passages, that do not be afraid never stands on its own. It is always connected to something right before it or right after it that provides the basis for the command. And this spans scripture from the beginning to the end. So go with me to Genesis 15. If you have your Bible, go into Genesis 15. This is the first of our seven examples. And isn't it interesting that God starts speaking this word from the very earliest book of the Bible? God creates the world and everything in it. Adam and Eve fall away and walk out on their relationship with God. And then God starts his great rescue plan. And it's going to start with one man named Abraham. In Genesis 15, his name is still Abram. God hasn't given him his new name yet. And look what God says at the beginning of 
essentially the rest of the story of Scripture. Genesis 15.1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. And why? Here it is. I am your shield, your very great reward. The first reason God ever gives for you to not be afraid is because he is your shield and your reward. He is your protector and your eternal prize, no matter what happens on this earth. And if you don't know the Lord personally in this way, then the world is a very scary place and fear can run rampant in your life. There is a shield and a defender and his name is Yahweh, the living God. He is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. He is your prize. That brings us to Moses, our second stop. And this is 500 years after Abraham. The scene I want to take us to is in Exodus 14. Moses is leading God's people out of slavery in Egypt, but Pharaoh had second thoughts, if you remember the story, and he's chasing them down as they approach the Red Sea. The water is before them, the enemy army is behind them, and then listen to what Moses says to the people. Exodus 14, 13. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, I'm sure you know the two usual options when we're faced with fear, right? It's fight or flight. But God says it's neither. He says, stand firm and I will fight for you. And I love then that last phrase where he says, you need only to be still. Maybe in 2020, you have found yourself running around trying to fight your own battles and fight your way through this year. And the Lord is saying to us, I will fight for you. You've really got one job, and that is to just be still, stand firm, because I'm going to take care of this battle for you. And he's so much stronger than anything we could muster up anyway. And Moses then brings us to Joshua, our third instance. Joshua is Moses' successor, and Joshua learned well from his mentor. We're going to see that because when we get to the opening chapter of Joshua, we see him echoing the very things that we see Moses saying in Exodus and Deuteronomy. When my grandpa was in the final weeks of his life, this was a few years ago, I realized that I was looking at a man who had taught me how to live and now was teaching me how to die. Every Joshua needs a Moses in their life. And I hope that you have a Moses in your life, teaching you the ways of the Lord. And here's what Joshua had learned from Moses and said to God's people in Joshua 1.9. Watch for our phrase again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Remember, do not be afraid, never stands alone. And here the very next word is do not be discouraged. And I just want to say briefly that one of the co-conspirators of fear is a spirit of discouragement. 
And I bet there are those among us who have felt very discouraged at times this year. Not just felt discouraged, but really experienced the heavy cloak of a spirit of discouragement upon you. When you come home at the end of the day, or maybe you have not left home for days or weeks or longer, you can feel so defeated. Or maybe it's the next morning and the thought of just getting out of bed is almost too much to take. I want you to know that God speaks against that discouragement in your life. He does not just say, do not be afraid. He says, do not be discouraged. In fact, what does Jesus say to his disciples? Not to get too far ahead in the story, but out on the water in Mark 6, Jesus says, take courage. Do not be discouraged, but take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage. In John's gospel, the word is take heart. Do not be disheartened. Do not be discouraged. We're going to move along in our series of seven then and get to the book of Isaiah. And let me tell you, you could do a whole study, a whole message series on fear in Isaiah. I had such a hard time narrowing down just one place in this book of the Bible to go. But if I had to pick one, it would be Isaiah 41. And just for fun, too, I want to mention the almost chiastic structure of this list of seven. And I discovered that after the fact. And if you have not heard that term before, the Bible often uses what's called chiastic structure to highlight the most important part of the story. So I want you to imagine an X and where those two diagonal lines intersect, they're right in the middle. That's how a chiastic structure works. That is the center of the story and the most important point. So in a list of seven, number four is right at the center. You've got three things before it and three things after. So this, in a sense, is where X marks the spot. And I want to share with you Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The most common phrase connected to do not be afraid is the phrase, for I am with you. Remember, we're looking for the basis, and that is it. God says, I will be with you. That's why you don't need to be afraid. He says this to Moses and to Gideon and to Jeremiah and to Mary, and the list goes on and on until it gets to you. God says to you and to me, do not be afraid, for I am with you. There's the story of two explorers who were out on a safari when suddenly a ferocious lion jumped out in the path in front of them. And the first explorer whispered to the other one, he said, keep calm. He said, remember what we read on that book on wild animals. If you stand perfectly still and look the lion in the eye, he will turn and run. And his companion then turned to him and said, you've read the book and I've read the book, but has the lion read the book? (laughs) Just a humorous story. But here's what I thought. I don't think 2020 read the book. And yet, no matter what kind of year you have experienced, no matter what next year will bring, 
you need to know that the lion of Judah is with you. Whatever happens, wherever you go, whatever fear has been mounting up inside of you, the Lord is with you. You never walk alone. Our fifth passage then, moving along, takes us into the New Testament. Uh, We've already mentioned Jesus once in connection with Joshua. Jesus is, in fact, the New Testament name for Joshua, Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. And in the Gospels, we see Jesus especially drawing this contrast between fear and faith. One of the favorite things that I have learned from our friends, the Shrams, is faith over fear. And they are living that out right now. And they, I think, were the ones who taught me that phrase, faith over fear. And so in Mark 5.36, there's this little girl's father who's told that she has passed away. And then we find this passage. It says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Did you know that Jesus is able to overhear what's being said around you? Did you know that he is even able to overhear perhaps that little self-monologue going on in your head? Those anxious thoughts, the worries, or the fears that keep you up at night? Overhearing what they said, Jesus says to you, do not be afraid, but believe faith over fear. And remember, as we said last week about waiting, faith is ultimately about trust. When fears rise up, I mean, for me in my life, then that becomes my focus. That is all that I see. It's like the ferocious lion right on the path before me. But faith is what happens when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, when they're lifted to Jesus instead of our fears. Fear is real. We're we're not saying it's not, but faith is just bigger. And Jesus calls us to trust him in the face of our fears. Before we leave the Gospels, we're going to find our sixth and penultimate reason to not be afraid. And this one might be surprising to you in, in this whole list. This might be the most surprising. It comes in Luke 5, where Jesus has just filled the boat to capacity and beyond with fish, an incredible catch of fish for these fishermen. And one of them is Simon Peter. He falls at Jesus' feet and he says to him, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And then look at Jesus' response in Luke 5.10. He says, don't be afraid. And why? From now on, you will fish for people. I don't know how you experience this, but I find that fear for me can be really paralyzing. It immobilizes us. And yet here we see Jesus calling us into action, even in fear, saying to us, don't be afraid. I've got a mission for you. Don't let 2020 sideline you. I I have purposes for you in this year and in this season. So kids, I'm thinking about you, no school. No sports, in a sense, no problem, because you've got purpose. And it is not just to be cooped up inside and just waiting this thing out. Jesus is calling us into action. He calls you into his service to be about his kingdom. And that brings us to our final instance. And with this one, we close today. When we pray 
thy kingdom come in the Lord's prayer. We're expressing this longing for this whole mess to be put right. And that's what we read about in the book of Revelation. You know, we started in the first book of the Bible. And don't miss that this takes us all the way through. And we now finish in the last. I want to read to you Revelation 1, 17 and 18. When I saw him, and that's Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. My brothers and sisters, we're reading here the end of the story. And it's a good ending. It is so good. And it is not far off. So do not be afraid. Not this year. Not ever. Because the living one has secured all of life and eternity for you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.